What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Let me first start off this episode by apologizing. I know there's been a few weeks off between episodes. I've been traveling all over, but finally, we're going to get things back on track. So today, I've got a special guest. This lovely lady is hands down one of the biggest badasses I know. She is a fellow fitness competitor, a fellow teammate, and practically my sister from a different mister. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Miss Alyssa Tonelli. What's going on, guys? What's going on, girl? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am chilling right now. I am actually hanging out, recording this podcast from this beautiful new venue that my buddies are opening in uh, West Lafayette over on the Purdue campus. It's been a few weeks off for me in the podcast, so I apologize if I'm a little rusty. But um, to give you guys a little bit more of a background, how Alyssa and I know each other, Alyssa and I have been training underneath the same coach and with the same team now for about almost the same time, right? Yeah, we're, I think we're coming up on almost two years now. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like I'm coming up on my two-year anniversary with uh, Team CX2. So let's give a big shout-out to Team CX2, uh, coaches IFBB Pro Charles Curtis and soon-to-be IFBB Pro Liz Curtis. Absolutely. But not just them. I mean, our whole team is kind of a bunch of badasses, right? <laughs> it really is. So we've got also, let's shout out a couple more of the OGs. We have IFBB Pro Chris Clark. Yeah. We have most likely and soon to be IFBB Pro Jordan Putz. Yeah. Soon to be IFBB Pro <laughs> Alyssa Tonelli. And <laughs> then we, we have, am I the weakest link on the team? <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's okay, because I'm coming hard for that pro card this year. After last season, it, it's kind of just all about, like, redemption at this point. And, uh, of course. Yeah, I got to get that sword. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> First the sword, then the card. <laughs> yeah. It's, it honestly, you know, I, I felt a little bit ashamed last year when we were at that show in San Diego, and all of you guys just killed it winning overalls. And you got all the photos with the swords and I'm just on the sidelines with like a trophy. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's whatever guys. No, I wasn't a sour sport about it, but it was definitely the, the placing I deserved. But at the same time, like seeing all of your teammates in that glory and wishing you could share that moment with them. It was, it was a little bit disappointing. Of course. That's completely understandable. You absolutely and, rocked it though. Like, y yeah. I mean, I was happy with the package I brought, but you know, you learn where there's room for improvement. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why we love the sport of bodybuilding because what's more humbling than not getting first place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let me tell you, losers. <laughs> losers what's up, Bruce? I hear Bruce Bruce in the background too. He, want, he wants to say hi to the podcast. <laughs> he did. He did. He's very... It's very upset that I'm being so selfish. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, I, I was very happy, like I said, with the package that I brought to the show last year. I got the placing that I deserved, but there is nothing more humbling than coming in second and realizing just the additional work that you need to do to finish first next time. So it's okay. Back to the drawing board, and uh, I'll be coming for that sword pretty soon, and then the pro card after. Absolutely. If there's anything I've learned, it's you win some, you lose some. <laughs> <laughs> that is probably one of the best outlooks to have as a fitness competitor because you are definitely going to win some and you are definitely going to lose some. Absolutely. So let's kind of rewind back to the beginning for you. 
how did you even get started with being a fitness competitor? Because we joined the team relatively around the same time. And I would say we've been equally as consistent through that period of time. But what drew you to the sport? I mean, I've always been active. Mm -hmm. So working back when I was like, in my early 20s. I remember a lot of people would always come to Texas Roadhouse because that's where I was working. They would always come mm-hmm. to Texas Roadhouse for either their after meal or their car boat meal before the show. And I remember I was always so interested in the competitors. Like I always found it so cool. And for years and years, I always wanted to compete, but I also was heavy into partying. So it was never the right time. And then mm-hmm. funny enough, I actually found an own email from back in 2017 where I inquired after it. Um, and the coach that sent me the info, like, I wasn't super impressed with, with pricing, what she had to offer. And I just don't think the timing was right. And then shortly after that, I tore my ACL. Oof. So I had the desire and the want to get into it for a long time. Because even when I finally found CX2 and told all my friends that I was doing the show, they're like, oh, my God, you've been wanting to do that for years. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't even realize I wanted to do it for as long as I did. I just knew that I wanted to do a show. That's all I had in my mind. I knew that I wanted to do one. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it's funny because like subconsciously for me, just always being like athletic. And mm-hmm. then after uh, my food poisoning incident, I, okay. I, before that was kind of in the back of my mind thinking that I was going to be ramping up to train and compete for a show. And then that happened, which was a setback, but really it was kind of a setup for everything that's happened since, which has been nothing but positive. So Um, I think kind of like you said, you had that injury and it set you back, but really it was kind of just a setup for the success you've had now. And I think it's definitely timing because if I would have gone with that other company around that time, I don't know that I would have ended up in the same place that I ended up. That's definitely facts. I think that I talk about this all the time, not just on the podcast, but literally it's like all about who you surround yourself with. And I, I gotta say, like, obviously having the support we do, it, it does mean a lot. It really does. The... The support system is probably the biggest thing, mostly because it's such a mental sport. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, what I came to the conclusion of, not just in fitness, but in life, was like, there's really only three ways I can exert strength. And it's like mentally, physically, and emotionally. And what I learned through competing was I think that it really helps you focus and key in on all three because you are tested physically, mentally, and emotionally as you prepare for a show. <laughs> Oh, isn't that the truth? (laughs) Well, so one of the things as well was, you know, kind of training through some bad habits. And I know on one of my last episodes with my buddy, Sean, uh, shout out at Sean Land, miss you, buddy. We talked about it too, where him and I were so deeply rooted in that old town Scottsdale lifestyle and party scene that, I mean, we just were thinking that we could out train bad habits, but now, as we've gotten a little bit older, we know that's definitely not the truth. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You definitely, in your mind, you think you, have, you think you have a hold on it. You're like, oh, I train four days a week. I can do this. But it definitely has a bigger hold over you than you think it does until you kick the habit. Mm-hmm. That's one yeah. thing that I honestly love about bodybuilding in general is the first thing that I found that I loved more than any substance. It's, it's honestly, like I tell people, kind of what you just said, it's like the ultimate high. Uh, getting on that stage, succeeding, like the, the weeks, not just the weeks, the months, the years at this point that you've put in just for that one specific moment that 
really only lasts less than a minute on stage sometimes. And <laughs> you know what? It's literally all worth it. Like, I think for me, I knew before I even got off stage of my first show, I think I walked off stage, looked at Charles backstage, and I was like, <laughs> when's the next one? Oh my God, that's exactly how I felt. <laughs> yeah, you, you, went, you ran the gauntlet last year, for lack of better words. Why don't you tell the audience like what you went through in your competition career? Because, I mean, you went through a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Well, not a lot of lows, but a low. Um, yes. And, yes. <laughs> and, and now, obviously, this is going to be your second season of competing. But tell the listeners a little bit about your first year in bodybuilding. So my first year in bodybuilding, I kind of went a little hard because like we talked about that first minute I stepped on stage, it was just pretty much everything that I'd always wanted. As soon as I got off the stage, especially after getting second place at my first show, I was kind of on a high from that. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait till the next show because we scheduled to do the Dennis James, which is the one I did with you. Mm -hmm. um, and then I took second again. So I was feeling really good about myself, especially because I was coming out of like taking a year of working out off in general. I'd never mm -hmm. hit it as hard as I did. So to like come out of that and take second place twice was definitely like, I felt like I'd finally found what I was meant to do. So I took a couple months off, did a little tiny bulking season. But then when we started prepping for ultimate warriors, it was probably the hardest prep by far that we went through. And then I won my first overall, which <laughs> Which definitely lit a fire. <laughs> I've heard it's fun to do that. that. <laughs> like, I went into that show and I wanted that sword more than anything. As soon, when we were at the athletes meeting and they were showing the sword, I was like, that sword's mine. <laughs> Back in my head, I was like, it's mine. Um, and then coming out from the high of getting your first overall, I hit the national stage. And as a tall girl, you walk in, you're up against 42 other giraffes. They're all beautifully stacked. <laughs> Quite 42 giraffes. <laughs> 42 welcome, to, giraffes. welcome to the zoo. <laughs> but trust me, downstage for hours, there's just all these girls flipping around and walking and flexing, and you're just like, oh my God. And you feel good. You feel great. You feel excited mm -hmm. and happy. And then you get fourth call outs. <laughs> it was definitely a humbling moment. I had a little bit of a diva moment because I'm. Not the best loser in the world. <laughs> well, but, you know, I know that your post-show ritual is usually a shot of tequila. So if I would have been there, I would have hooked you up. <laughs> oh, trust me. I drink the tequila. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, no, at least the there was tequila nearby to ease the pain. I wanted a burger. I wanted a burger and I wanted tequila. And I kind of had a diva moment. But, I mean, our coach, being our coach, was great. And he let me have my moment. And... Kind of was just like, if you want to be a pro, you got to act like a pro. So I knew yeah, that I needed to fast. suck it up and show up the next day as much as I did not want to get on stage the next day because like, I was just kind of disappointed in myself. Yeah, I sucked it up and I was a good loser. And I realized that was the moment I realized like you win some, you lose some, you know. And that was the moment I had to learn how to lose. <laughs> it's not I mean, going to be I... the last, I'm sure. But... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it's it's easy to act like a pro when you're winning, right? Like, who's not oh, going to yeah. be, like, shaking hands, <laughs> kissing babies, right? But it's when you're losing, can you still maintain that composure? Because yeah. obviously, I mean, let's just call it what it is. You're being judged. There's always eyes on you at these shows. So yeah. the judges see you backstage. They see you on stage. They see mm -hmm. you after you win, after you lose. And yes. I think... 
I don't want to say, I don't even want to get into the politics of competing. That's not something I like to talk about, Mm -hmm. but obviously that does exist. And I think that sometimes when you do just walk around with a smile on, you're going to finish better than the guy or gal who just mean mugs everybody. And I know I've seen that personally. Absolutely. And at the end of the day, like one thing, like they always just sit there and be like, don't compare yourself to other competitors. This right. and, that. and like, nothing's more true because nobody is you up there. You know, mm-hmm. um, it doesn't matter if someone looked better or didn't look better or presented themselves in a different way. Like you are you and it's up to the judges at the end of the day. So the only person you're out there trying to beat is you. So when you lose, don't like take it as a loss. Take it as what did I learn from it for sure. And I, one thing I don't like is the people who make excuses when they lose. At the end of the day, it is a subjective sport. Mm-hmm. You're being judged. Mm-hmm. So with that being said, I mean, one day the judges may love your physique and think it's the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, you could be at another show, have the same exact panel of judges, and they feel that someone else came more prepared and that's just the nature of the beast and i feel like if you're gonna be a bad sport about it and you're gonna talk shit when you lose or you're gonna call people out when you lose that's not the right attitude you probably don't belong in the sport anyways absolutely not and that's what it is you lose humbly win humbly you know like love your highs and love your lows because that should be the fire of your fuel for the next season and that's kind of what I took my loss as like as upsetting as it was like I'm like this is my first year a lot of these girls have been working for years the fact that I was Mm -hmm. even able to step on a national stage in my first year that's the part that I'm the most very grateful for because I know that doesn't happen for everybody the thing for you now is the how I look at it it's just all experience right like you've been Mm -hmm. there before so you know what to expect. I remember, and you probably do too. Um, I think we were all, maybe we were back at the house in San Diego, or maybe we were just backstage at ultimate warriors. And when I realized that I was now nationally qualified, I literally like my head snaps and I look at Charles and I say, <laughs> can I go to net? And before I even could say nationals, he literally looks at me and goes, Nope. And yeah. I didn't take it the wrong way at all. Like, cause I know he always has my best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And then when I watched what my class looked like at nationals, it literally was kind of what we joked about. We go, oh, okay, so it's a bunch of bodybuilders in board shorts, and you would have got smoked. So in theory, what he did by being honest with me was he saved me the time, the effort, the embarrassment, the money, and it allowed me the opportunity to kind of stay in my lane, continue Mm -hmm. to have that level of confidence in what I just accomplished in my last show and then continue just to put my head down and go back to work in the gym, which is ultimately what I needed to do to grow for that show. Absolutely. I feel like that's honestly why it's so important to pick like your coach wisely because Mm -hmm. you want a coach that like is going to be able to make that call and he's not going to send you out on stage to fail. You know, he's going to help you get your best package you possibly can. And he's going to advise you he or she. And, and I think having a selfless coach yeah. is very important because I just trained with a friend of mine the other day. We did a collab and he just got into competing about a year ago. He did his first show, did really well. The guy's got a phenomenal physique, but then his coach, I think, was a little too trigger happy and pushed him into doing a national show in which the guy got smoked. And he told me, he goes, you know, I don't think I'm going to work with that coach again because – 
seeing the competition I saw made me realize that wasn't a smart move. Mm -hmm. And I don't think my coach was looking out for my best interest. And it's really hard to trust someone, especially in a sport that's as intimate as -hmm. this, if you don't feel that you have that support behind you. Oh, yeah. I guess we got lucky. (laughs) We we really did. I know he's like my first coach, but honestly, he knew my body better than me before I knew my body. (laughs) Through them, we were able to determine such microscopic things like broccoli and water and look more bloated. So, therefore, we use and utilize other greens in my diet. Or Um, gum. Or gum. How about that? (laughs) Don't remind me about the gum. The sugar alcohols. Guys, if you're listening out there, I'm just going to tell you right now, I didn't eat or eat. You don't. No one eats gum, but I didn't chew that (laughs) much gum. But for any of you guys who do compete or are competitors, you know that like when you get down to the nitty gritty of it all, like the granular details, the literally the microscopic details make the biggest difference. And yeah, I'll admit I chewed gum my last during my peak week. I chewed gum. And I don't know if it really made a difference because I think I deserve second anyways. And I got that in my last show. But um, yeah, definitely. I will not make that mistake again because a couple things I've learned about gum since then. And I'll share that with you because that was one mistake I've made previously is one sugar alcohol uh, that's in the gum Two, I guess because when you chew consistently, you are creating additional air entering into your lungs and into your body. And that can result in also a fuller, rounder look that you don't want to achieve. I don't know who told me that. I don't know if it's true or false. If anyone knows if that's true or false, please let me know. Hit me up in the DMs. But yeah, that's just what I've heard. Yep. Did, have you heard that or no? <laughs> Is it just me? No, like, because like I was like wondering, because like my first show, I chewed gum and I didn't realize that, that you weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> and the, the shows I didn't chew gum, I... I did look better. (laughs) What was the one thing backstage we were doing during the dentist show? And I remember I hadn't done it at all. What was it? Drinking coffee or something? It was, and I was like, wait, I can drink coffee. It it was something random. Okay. No. So, okay. So here was the thing for that show. So the thing about bikini and all the other divisions is bikini doesn't have to be quite as lean as all the other divisions. Mm Mm-hmm. So I was allowed to have like a tiny sip of coffee here or there. And I told you oh, and our other right. figure competitor, I was like, oh yeah, he's kind of a sip of coffee. And then he was like, no, you cannot. <laughs> and I was like, oh my bad. Yeah. Me- meanwhile, well, I can this- have a sip of coffee. <laughs> yeah. I think at that point I had been just dehydrated down for maybe about at least 32 hours. And, you know, when you're dehydrated, like you'll drink anything. But I like coffee, so it sounded good. Well, in all of reality, too, like, one thing you have to realize is every coach is different. Because I remember hearing from other competitors, like, a lot of people being hungry. The day of the show, food wasn't really my biggest priority because we carved up. We got our burgers. Mm-hmm. I was right. just thirsty. But I didn't really hear that from a lot of the other competitors. I don't know if it was just an us thing. But, like, I do know that, like, each coach is definitely different. They have their different ways of, you know, getting people ready for stage. You obviously see there's definitely a bunch of methods that work, but. And that's the thing too. I mean, I've seen all sorts of different training styles at this point. Mm -hmm. I've seen all different sorts of diets. Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, what I try to focus on is what our coach always preaches, which is consistency, time under tension, 
and really just that mind muscle connection. And I think focusing on those three things, as well as making sure you get enough rest, enough fluids. I think those are kind of my keys to success, but everyone's different. So I can't Mm -hmm. speak for other competitors or what their coaches advise of them. And let me tell you how important rest is. You know, honestly, my last couple of shows, I did not get as much rest that I probably should have. Mm-hmm. I've been getting way more rest this time around, and it has made such a bigger impact. You know what the other funny thing is that we can talk about from the San Diego show? Do you remember when Liz goes, all right, guys, I'm going to go home and kick my feet up. And Chris <laughs> oh, yeah. had, like, no idea that she genuinely meant, no, like, guys, go home, elevate your legs. Because don't literally on... go kick your feet up <laughs> yeah yeah so here's a little pro tip when you are depleted throughout a show it's important to elevate your legs it does help with circulation and blood flow so yeah get your legs up people do it do it honestly my first show i didn't really understand what he meant by that i was like i'm fine i'm not even tired i don't need to put my legs up. <laughs> <laughs> i don't need this shit <laughs> Yeah, don't worry, I learned. <laughs> well, That's what it's all about, learning. Well, so if I'm not mistaken, you're in another prep as we speak, right? I am. I started a, just about a week ago. Well, actually, a week ago. Are you starving Officially. yet? Or... <laughs> Honestly, I feel like the first month and the last month are harder than the middle month. Because I feel like the first month adjusting to the mm-hmm. food and everything like that, like you're just, you're hungry. But the middle month, like, you start seeing the shreds come in, so you're just like, yeah. But then the last month, when everything gets taken away, you're hungry, (laughs) and everything just got taken away, and then it's that mental push. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely in that. I'm definitely in the adjustment stage. I'm feeling pretty good, considering I'm only weekend and everything like that. I got my... I stayed pretty lean in my off-season, and I feel like that was, like, the most important thing Mm -hmm. for, like, my diet is definitely a little bit different than my last preps. So I am getting a little bit more carbs this time around. Ooh. As as of right now. <laughs> Who doesn't love more carbs? <laughs> I get potatoes right now and I'm very happy. <laughs> yeah, my my carbs are pretty high right now. Uh well, I take that back. If I were following my diet and nutrition plan like I should be, my carbs would be pretty high. However, with all the travel I've been doing, it's been a little tough, I'll admit, to stick to my diet. Just last week I filmed like a full day of eating, which was nice and For the last week, I was able to eat my 4,000 calories a day, which is strictly just maintenance, so I don't drop weight. you're on 4,000 calories a day? Yeah, I'm just south of 4,000 a day for maintenance calories. And what's crazy is, is that because I've been traveling so much, it's been a little harder to get those calories in. And, you know, I like to eat clean. Like, if I'm going to eat poorly... It's going to be sushi, burger and fries, foods that are going to like benefit my physique the next day in the Mm -hmm. gym. But yeah, at the end of the day, it's been tough. And right now, I think honestly, I stepped on the scale. I'm down about 12 pounds from where I would normally be. And it's a little discouraging, but you also can identify easily what the problem and solution is. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm not tripping because I just got to eat more. Yeah. I mean, that's not, it could be worse. Yeah, it could could be worse because we were talking earlier and I was like kind of venting to you about like, how lean I am and how dis- dissatisfied I was with it. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, bro, at least you're like shredded and it's summertime. Like, who cares? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I guess yeah, some right. of us, some of us gained a little quarantine weight. <laughs> yeah. That co- that COVID-19 will get you. <laughs> it really does. It's like, it's, I've heard it from a lot of people. They're like, yeah, I gained like 15 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> I gained a good, at least 10 pounds myself. <laughs> it's like, 
the freshman 15, right? Like the COVID-19. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Well, talking about the pandemic, I know for me personally, I was really lucky during uh, the pandemic and the time I spent in Arizona because I literally had either always a facility to train at privately. People would reach out to me and say like, hey, I know how important fitness is. If you need a gym, I can open it up for you. So I was really quite fortunate that, to be honest, the only days I've taken off were planned rest days. How was your consistency throughout the whole situation? Honestly, it comes down to Team CX2 again. I was truly blessed. At the beginning, like the first week of it, I was doing those. I couldn't, I can't do at-home workouts. I'm way too easily sidetracked. One minute I'm lifting and then the next minute I'm playing with Bruce and that's my puppy. <laughs> um, but it wasn't, it was one day like Charles, he figured it out. I got a message and he sent us a picture of his weights in the back of his car. And he's like, let's, let's go. By any means necessary. <laughs> so we got some weights and we trained out of the back of the car outside. For we sh- weeks and weeks. And we you know sure what? did. <laughs> I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I didn't even care. I was just so happy to be picking up iron and putting it back down. Well, you um, know what it was? We, we got our gains in we got some good tan lines but i did improvise on a few days that i didn't work out with him with like the five gallon jugs i bought a stick and i put five gallon jugs on the end and i did utilize those <laughs> i'll admit i was again very fortunate i never had to go to home depot and build my own <laughs> weights or fill up you know buckets with concrete and things like that <laughs> um but there are lots of people who who did kind of go out of their way and do the most to stay and maintain a physique. And what's, what's kind of impressive in my opinion is when the gyms did reopen in Arizona uh, and you saw the other people back in the gyms still looking really, really good. You know, I would approach them and say, Hey man, good for you. Like it's nice to see you somehow found a way to continue to keep your level of fitness throughout a really hectic time where mm-hmm. I, I guess the politicians don't want us working out. That was one thing I never got. <laughs> don't take my iron away. <laughs> it was crazy to me. I mean, we can touch on this a little bit. I won't go too deep yeah. into it, but yeah. like during the pandemic, here's a couple businesses in Arizona that I know were still open strip clubs. So essential, obviously. And uh, the aquarium. <laughs> like yeah. what? So you mean to tell me that, strippers and dolphins are important but your health isn't like you can't go to a gym what sense does that make the one thing that got me is like they never really told anybody to like stay healthy they never said get outside make sure you're taking your vitamins they never said that and Mm -hmm. i feel like that was like the most crucial part of all of us keeping your immune system up during this time you know but nothing like that was ever said like make sure you're taking your vitamins because a lot of people forget about those kinds of things you know who needs their vitamins? Just wear a mask and you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, don't forget to stand on the stickers. <laughs> you, you gotta they stand, protect you. <laughs> gotta stand on the stickers. Actually, I'll tell you a funny story from earlier today. I was on the flight from Miami to Indianapolis, and I don't know if my mask wasn't on properly because I hate to say I don't pay attention, but like you just get so used to wearing a mask now mm-hmm. that like you feel it on your face, but you don't necessarily know if it's covering your nose and mouth properly. And Mm. so the flight attendant like walks by me in my seat and she like jumps down my throat because I guess the mask was half an inch below my, my nose. And I was like, wow, like 
really appreciate the customer service here, guys. Like, yeah. noted, I'll pull my mask up. But then two seconds later, she walks by and goes, sir, would you like a snack? And I go, okay, now you're handing me cookies to eat, <laughs> and I have to pull my mask off to eat them. So is there some sort of invisible force field around these cookies that protects me? <laughs> because if there is, I'll eat more cookies. But <laughs> Kind of like when they came down to the bars, they're like, you can keep the bar open as long as you're still serving food. My chicken nuggets is saving me from... <laughs> They're getting the COVID. Right. It's, and then the whole, like, seated versus standing. Like, if you're seated at a table, no mask. But if you're standing, you got to wear a mask. So, wait. You mean to tell me COVID virus only spreads <laughs> six feet wide and six feet tall? Is that what you mean to tell me? Got it. <laughs> I can't with this COVID shit anymore. I'm sorry. I, uh, <laughs> I wear the mask because they asked me to wear the mask. But definitely doesn't mean I agree with it. I'm just kind of ready for it to dissipate. Have you, have you experienced having to train in a facility with a mask on? Yeah, me and my sister got kicked out of the other day. <laughs> yeah. Nice. We were, doing, we were doing leg day, and like I had it below my nose because it's leg day, man. <laughs> yeah. I, need, I need to breathe. And they weren't very happy. But the thing that got me was the guy comes over and tells me to cover my nose, and then he tries to sell me a mask. Uh-oh. I'm like... Um, he's like, it's very breathable, and then you don't have to worry about pulling it below your nose. And nice, my sister nice has a upsell, breath- buddy. <laughs> well, my sister has a breathing condition, so she was just trying to explain it. She was like, I need to be able to have my nose to breathe. And I don't know. It's just, at the end of the day, there's other places we can go train where I can have my nose showing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it's a. I just need... See, and I wear the mask because I understand they do... It's not up to them. It is up to, you know, the health departments and stuff like that so i understand that but like if i'm if i have my mask on and i have my nose showing like please just let me let my nose show because i'm just trying to breathe while i work out that's right i'm trying to do i'm not trying to be disrespectful i'm just trying to breathe (laughs) yeah i i trained one day at the aria uh gym in las vegas and it's a beautiful facility but the problem i had was the guy literally expected me to wear my mask the entire time while i was training and to be honest, I think I was hitting legs and yeah. I'm like, okay, like I'm already breathing heavy. Like you it know? is a very intense day. Like, do you want me to faint on the ground? You know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I understand, like, if you want people to wear the mask, it's just let us show our nose. <laughs> just, let me breathe a little. Just the tip. I'm not getting <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> just the tip. So as far as your plans yeah. competing in the future go, the goal is right now. You've got USA's coming up. And if I'm not mistaken, that is potentially another attempt at a pro card. Is that correct? That is correct. So because you've been there once before, what is it you're doing differently this time to try and earn a different result? I mean, I've been bulking since last time. So I've had a good salt. I've never had this long of a bulking season ever in my life. Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely ready to see like what I've built in this last nine ten months almost a year honestly but also my routine I've been I mean that's like the one thing I feel like was not quite ready for the national stage Mm -hmm. um I do know what to expect a little bit more now like I know that my competition is going to be heavy compared to a local show Mm -hmm. it's I mean, last year I was up against 42 girls. This year I feel like competitions have definitely been stacked. So I'm preparing for at least that again. Mm-hmm. So I'm just making sure that like my routine is flawless and I'm working hard to bring the best package I can bring. 
And from there, it's all about fate and how the judges feel about what I'm bringing. The one thing that I'll talk on right there is I think the importance of practicing your poses, having your routine like down to a T. And I know like, again, shout out at our coaches, Charles and Liz, because like when they're in a prep, actually, you know what? That's a lie. I think just every single day before like morning and evening, they do poses. And I think it's that consistency that really benefits them when they compete because you see them on stage and they just like flow. It's like watching a ballet where it's like art, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that's honestly like, that's the point you have to get at you. Like, that's what you just look for. It's like somebody who goes through their routine flawlessly. Mm It's like when you have over three to four sober minded vision bikini, like you have over 400 girls coming on that stage, you know, all different height height groups and everything. But it does have to come down to nitpicking because like, you look at how many beautiful women are up there. It's like, how do you choose? And that's why it comes down to they have to nitpick. They have to nitpick the routines and the physiques, you know. So that's why if you get up there and you are completely flawless with your routine and you bring the solid physique, those are the girls that are staying in the upper brackets, you know. Look at the the Olympians. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and that's the thing, too, is to get to that level of being – an Olympian level athlete, like there's no excuse. You just have to Mm -hmm. literally put in the work from not just the diet, not just the Mm -hmm. training, but most definitely the posing. Absolutely. It's, if it's what you truly want, if it's really your dream and it's really what your passion is, like you're going to live it in your, in every day when you're working out in between every set, you're doing your poses, you're working on your flow, you're making it a second nature to where you don't even have to think on stage, you just flow. It's all about that flow. (laughs) (laughs) It's all about that flow. It's all about the flow. So what's what's the goal for you? Let's just maybe manifest it on this episode. So you go to nationals, you win the pro card. What's next? I get the pro card. I will take another year off because I feel like in order to be able to keep up with these pros, (laughs) trust me, I follow them all (laughs) just about. Um, I would take another probably good year off, put on another stack of muscle Mm -hmm. and then go have like a season pro debut and then take that as far as I can until I can qualify for the Olympia. I love it. So it's kind of funny because you and I have like very similar stories, very similar backgrounds, very similar drives, very similar work ethics. Hence why I always say you're my sister from a different mister. It's like, Okay, what's the goal right now? The only goal with my fitness career is get the pro card. Then what? Well, I know that I need to take time, continue to refine things so that that pro debut is something Mm -hmm. special. And then obviously, you know, reevaluate from there. And I think that having those two objectives in mind for me right now is kind of what motivates me every single day. Aside from the fact I've been very fortunate to train alongside some of the top fitness influencers and pros in the world recently. Um, And there's nothing more motivating than seeing people live the life you want and knowing that you're not that far off. Absolutely, It's inspiring. And that's Mm -hmm. honestly what drives me too is like, I like being that person that inspires the person that was where I used to be, you know? And so it's funny, too, you mentioned that because I know that something you've also transitioned to is coaching yourself. (laughs) So how's your coaching career going as you being the coach now rather than the student? Honestly, I love it. 
I love the fire. I love seeing the fire in that person's eyes. Like I love seeing that they're, they're want to change and drive. And like, I'm a part of that journey because I know how my journey mm-hmm. went. And I remember the people that I looked up to and the people that changed my life. And I know like how much of a difference it made for me. So like knowing that I'm being a part of that for somebody else, like it's so rewarding. It's an, it's a very rewarding work. So when I wake up and I, I have to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to train my first client, like it's not work though. It's early and like, trust me, some mornings I'm like, oh, it's so early, but like, I love it. <laughs> I still love it though, because I know that I'm making a difference and that's important to me. I am currently coaching my baby sister for her second show and the changes we've made, she's, she has a very restricted diet. She's allergic to pretty much everything. She's a She has to be vegan. She has celiacs. We've, mm. we've jumped over some hoops and it's a tricky client right there. <laughs> yes, sir. But she's, she's lucky. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> she's worth it, but she's, we're about five weeks out for her and she's looking very fantastic. And she has that will and that want and that drive. I feel like she's going to do great things. She's about ready to do the Whitney Jones classic here in a few weeks. Yeah. I've been following her on social media and I, I know she follows me back. She's been actually super supportive of like everything I do and everything I post. So I'm, I'm definitely grateful for that because I know I've met her, but obviously we don't have the same relationship as you and I do, but just nonetheless, that, that love and respect that I always appreciate. So tell her, I wish her nothing but the best and I'm keeping my eye on her. Hopefully she kills this next show. Oh, she's going to kill this next show. I have a feeling <laughs> she's, so, she's put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this show. <laughs> So how many other clients are you currently coaching? So I have about four other clients right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a couple upcoming consultations of possible clients. It's honestly like, it's definitely a growing process, you know, getting your name out there, the training world and everything. But I know that, I know that my work will show, you know, down the road. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not something that happens overnight. Like, nothing happens overnight. You know, it's just takes consistency and it's the same thing in everything, including coaching, staying consistent, training the people that you have, you know, encouraging and pushing them and just grinding every single day. And people definitely forget that. That's why like, I love transformation Tuesday. I love seeing everyone's transformations. I absolutely love that. Cause like a lot of people that don't know you and they see you, they're like, Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. That's genetics. Trust me. It is not. <laughs> I used to be very fluffy. I it's funny. Like my off season, I hit one sixty three, and the last time I was one sixty three, I was heavy. I was. <laughs> I was thick. I was a thick girl. <laughs> and this last time, I just hit one sixty three. Like you wouldn't have even known it. Most people don't know it. Well, it's funny too how when you're holding weight in a different fashion, and what I mean by that mm-hmm. is. For lack of better words, fat versus bulked. Um, The difference when you're fat, when you're fat, you don't have muscle hidden underneath your fluff. When you're bulked, you have put on some weight, you've put on some size because at the end of the day, mass is going to move mass. So I know for Mm -hmm. me, when I was up to 180 at my heaviest, um, yeah, I was bench pressing more than I ever have in my life. But now that I'm not 180, I'm also not moving that weight anymore because my strength has diminished a little bit uh, and I just don't have the size to move that mass. So mm-hmm. I, I think that, that that's one thing, along with genetics, people do tend to overlook about bulking because some people in their off season are like, 
oh, I can't eat that. I shouldn't, shouldn't be doing this. And really, if you understand the science of how your body works, how it responds to certain foods, then you shouldn't have too many restrictions just mm-hmm. eating and training smart. And that's honestly like, that's the most important part in your off season is eating. And like when you're a competitor and you've been at your most elite level, you never feel in shape until you're on stage. That is when you feel in shape. So it is very uncomfortable putting on that bulking fluff. It really is. I'm one of those people that feels that way that I'm like, I just feel fluffy, (laughs) but you have to trust the process. (laughs) Accept the fluff, embrace it. <laughs> so the, the last time I quote, and I'm using air quotes right now, no one can see, but the last <laughs> time I quote, trusted the process, I kind of like somehow made my own process in the process of trusting the process. So <laughs> what I mean by that is coach gave me uh, one refeed a week. Most of you guys listening to this probably know it as a cheat meal. But Mm -hmm. I don't call it a cheat meal because it's usually planned. And what I'm doing is I'm refeeding my body of additional excess carbs and nutrients that maybe I haven't had throughout the week. So in turn, I get a nice juicy pump the next day and I feel good. But that also helps with caloric surpluses and things of that nature. Anywho, so after the last show, you know, coach put me back on one sushi refeed a week. And I happened to find that really delicious all-you-can-eat sushi place we all went to. (laughs) So, you know, I just, with my love for sushi, I took the liberty of adding an extra refeed day in because I remembered a previous bulking diet where I had two refeed days a week. And uh, yeah, that's how we got to 180 pretty quick. And it was a little scary because my stage weight previously was 140. So in about the span of six to eight weeks, I think, and again, some of it was water as well, holding water weight. But yeah, it was nearly a 40 pound increase. And when I started having like trouble bending over to put on my shoes and socks in the morning, that was when I knew it was time to correct that. (laughs) Your boy got a little thick. (laughs) See, but that just goes to show that we are all human. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, hey, like I'm not perfect. We are humans and we like food. (laughs) When people are like, oh, I could never do that. I love food too much. I'm like, oh, trust me. I love food too. <laughs> oh yeah. And that's, that's the other comment I always hear all the time. People are like, Oh, eat a cheeseburger. I'm like, if you tell me to eat a cheeseburger, I'm probably having two double doubles, three fries. And like, <laughs> extra, I already know my order. Large, please. <laughs> right. I'm like, I'm like, and then give me all the ketchup. But no, what happens is, is people are like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You eat like a fucking slob. And it's like, no, you said eat a burger. So if I'm going to have quote a burger, I'm going to go all the way in. I'm not just going to dip my toes in. Oh, yeah. So with that being said, how are your calories looking right now one week into your prep? Um, I would say that I'm – I haven't looked at the actual macro count, mm-hmm. but, I mean, I'd say I'm probably sitting at about 1,800. Okay, not terrible. Maybe 18 to 2. So just for record, if you look on the side of any food label, they'll tell you, that these nutrition facts are based on an average American diet of 2,000 calories a day. Mm -hmm. Earlier in this episode, you heard me say, I eat 4,000 as maintenance. Now you've just heard Alyssa say that she is prepping for a show and she's eating 1,800. So does that 2,000 sound right to you guys? Just throwing that out there because a lot of people have no idea 
what their calorie intake should be, how to figure out their macros. And it's one thing that blows my mind. And I feel like it's because of how society labels food most of the time where they tell you that this is based on a 2000 calorie diet per day, which Mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, if I ate 2000 calories a day, I would literally be down to 6% body fat in a week. Oh yeah. So yeah, 2000 calories is not average by any means. It's actually most likely a caloric deficit for most people. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is like, just because you have like all bodies are different and mm-hmm. that's the biggest thing is like some bodies, some bodies process fats better. Some bodies process carbs better. And it's also different between men and women. Like mm-hmm. men can handle certain things better than women can and vice versa. And that's why it's kind of important sometimes, like if you really want to make those changes to hire somebody that knows what they're doing. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with that. And You know, I get people who reach out to me all the time asking questions about macros and calories and things like that. And, you know, one of these days I do plan to start sharing some of my knowledge a little bit more with people because I do love to help people and I do want to see them make their own transformations. But at the same time, you know, I'm very in tune with what works for me and my body. And I also acknowledge the fact that what works for me is likely not going to work for someone else. And I think that that's so important because like people always ask, how do you eat? What do you eat? Well, just because I eat something specific does not mean you should, right? Exactly. But to each their own, if you want to gain the COVID-19, eat whatever you want. No. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, and like when you want to make that change, sometimes it's like a one day at a time kind of process, you know? Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. What I was going to say was with you being in a prep right now and competing or preparing to compete again for your pro card, what would you say the most challenging part of this prep is going to be for you? Is there anything you're dreading or kind of just not looking forward to as the week's get deeper into the prep in all honesty like kind of where i'm at at this prep i feel like i'm it's gonna be like i know once it hits a certain point it's gonna be a harder prep than all the last because i feel like they're always a little harder than the last Mm -hmm. but like this prep around i'm not working um so i'm no longer working because i was bartending at a resort Mm -hmm. for my last prep and i was working a good 12 12 hour shifts probably five six nights a week so I wasn't getting home till two, three in the morning. I were, I lived all the way out in Queen Creek, which is an hour drive from where I was working. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't sleeping very much. And honestly, I feel like that was my biggest trial. My last prep is like, I wasn't getting enough rest when I was just always on the go. Like I'm always on the go right now, but I'm getting the rest that I need. I have the time to like do all my training. Mm-hmm. I get to be in the gym all day long with my clients. So honestly, I feel like it's kind of like a matter of just like what you set yourself up for, like in your like normal life, you know, it kind of has like a toll on like how your prep goes. That's one thing I'm learning from this prep is the fact that my life is in a different place. It's making my prep completely different. Yeah. And I mean, I'm going to actually, for me personally, I'm going to go with the complete opposite, right? So I'm going to say, that my next prep is going to be my easiest prep. And the reason I say that is because my first show was the recovery from the food poisoning accident. It was multiple other traumatic incidents that took place. Um, If you recall, I was virtually homeless 
living out of a suitcase while still trying to make sure I was properly eating my food and having my nutrition on point. So that was a really difficult prep. My second prep obviously was a bit more personal uh, going through the breakup in the relationship I was in. And I really just kind of use that to fuel the fire and motivate me to just live my best life, which is my healthiest life. Mm -hmm. And this third time around, I got to be honest, like, I can't wait to start prep because I've never been in a better place to compete. And I'm like, just so happy with where I'm at in my professional career, my personal life, everything I have going on that I think it's actually going to be my most successful prep to date because I don't have anything to distract me. And I agree with that because I feel like that's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> it's a good place to be in. It, it is. <laughs> when you're prepping. No, it, it really, really is. It, like, it really is. <laughs> you know, I was, I was with uh, Nick Walker, if you know who that is, the other day at the Revive headquarters. Uh, big shout out at Nick. I know he's got the Chicago Pro Show coming up pretty soon. And To see an IFBB pro who, I don't think I mentioned this to you, he is virtually my height, but has 100 pounds of muscle on me. Now, let me say that again. My height plus 100 pounds of muscle. I'll send you the photo and you're going to see this. And like, you know, like I have a decent physique, but to see someone who has maxed out their frame as a super heavyweight to the degree he has is so beyond impressive that what, what he said, I said, how do you think you're going to do for the show? He goes, honestly, my only focus is eating and training. And mm-hmm. it's like when you're surrounded by good people and you don't have any distractions, all you have to worry about is eat my food, train this like this, get my rest. Like he, he said the same thing. He goes, I've never been happier. I'm ready to go. That's awesome. And it's such a good place to be in. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. But sadly, for me, it's going to be still till 2021 that I hit the next stage. But yeah, I'm going to utilize this time wisely while I'm traveling, training, making yeah. content. Um, and for me right now, I think this is just a great feather in the cap for me in my fitness journey from training with, like I said, other IFBB pros other Mm -hmm. fitness influencers. I mean, it's just constantly motivating me to do more and be better. Oh, yeah. Who you surround yourself with is so big. Yeah, I think that's one we haven't really talked about with regards to our coaches is not just how they've been there for us um, on the physical side of things uh, Mm -hmm. or the mental side of things, but literally Mm -hmm. the emotional side of things too, where, you know, I know I've had difficult moments where I've turned to them for life advice that is so irrelevant to anything health or fitness related. And you have as well, where they've just been kind of that shoulder to lean on, but not just lean on the shoulder that picked you back up. Absolutely. And that's honestly, and like, that's what I appreciate about them the very most is just the fact that they're just in genuinely good people. And you can sense that just being around them. I think even watching, I still have the video on my phone and I use it as motivation quite often, but I was backstage right after Liz won overall and she was doing her interview with either like Redcon or one of the companies. I can't remember which it was. And I actually recorded the interview she was doing. I don't even think she knew I was like standing there recording it, but, um, I remember specifically the question, the guy interviewing her asked, what was the most important thing that led you to this victory today? 
And she goes, literally, she goes, last year I was here. I did not get the result I wanted. I looked at the girls that did finish ahead of me. I knew exactly like what they did. And I put my head down for the last year and I went to work doing what I knew I had to do. And that's why I'm here now. And it was just so powerful because you could see like the genuine conviction in her eye where like for me, I had already got second place. So I'm like, wow. I was like, that's my motivation right there. Like my coach is walking it like they talk it kind of thing. And I'm like, that's exactly what I have to do is just go hard for the next year, put my head down, remember the feeling of not disappointment, but just knowing that you can do better Mm -hmm. and bring that back the next time around. So when you do get on stage, you won't be denied. Yeah. That's why you're supposed to take like any losses or anything like that. Just let it be the fuel to your fire. Let it be what inspires you. You should be what inspires you. Look at the people that inspired you before, of course, but like always like let yourself inspire you, you know? Yeah. Don't ever, don't ever put yourself down for like the package you brought. Like, Oh no. We all know we're all our own worst critics. And that is one thing about (laughs) this industry is we will sit there and be in our heads about (laughs) our, (laughs) ourselves every single check-in every single day, because you're your own worst critic. And that's also, I feel like why it's so important to have like such a good support system around you to remind Mm -hmm. you that you're great. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent. And I mean, I know that for me, I actually keep, my last uh, competition photo as the background on my phone. So every single day I see the person I need to be. Now, what's funny is I already know I've surpassed that look. I already know I'm going to smoke that dude, but I'm not changing my background until I have another stage photo of me. So then that is my next motivation of the look to be. So like people have seen my phone and they're like, is that you on the background of your phone? God, how narcissistic narcissistic (laughs) of you. And I go, no, actually it's called goal setting because I'm just trying to be better than that dude. I once was. Exactly. And that's important to me. It is. I I think it's, well, yeah. And that's, and that's all that matters. It doesn't really matter what anyone else feels about what's on your phone. (laughs) Yeah, get off my phone anyways. Why are you trying to get... <laughs> it's password Why are you protected. Trying to log- <laughs> Stop looking at my you shit. You getting it anyways. No, There's I'm a just, base code. <laughs> I'm just kidding. So since the pandemic, and then obviously you're not, you're not serving anymore, so pretty much your main focus is training for your show and then training your clients, correct? Yep. And that is the main... The main goal. And now I don't, I don't know, financially speaking, how the pandemics affected you, but I know obviously like we've all seen ups and downs in our sales, our revenue and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I mean, bartending, we all know it's good money in, in -hmm. especially the Paradise Valley, the Scottsdale area where you were working. But Mm -hmm. would you say that you don't care about money anymore because you're just so content with following your passion? You know what I mean? Yes. So honestly, yeah. So I was, I was in my prime season at work when the mm-hmm. pandemic happened. I had a ton of money in savings. Like everything was going great. And then this all happened and I lost my job, both my jobs, mm-hmm. you know? And like, I was really stressed out for a minute, but every bit and part of me just like deep down, just kind of like didn't panic because mm-hmm. there was just a part of me like the whole and I think it's just because of where my mindset was at when it all kind of went down like I just kept telling myself like it, w- it was going to be okay like and I just tried not to panic mm-hmm. you know luckily like 
we were blessed with the unemployment, you know, and the extra money to where it made us have a livable income, you know, and like we, I had a lot of like bumps in the road, but I just kept trying to stay positive and I just kept my head down and kept training, you know, I just kept working out, kept training, hung out. I took the time, took the advantage of the time off, hung out with my puppy, you know, hung out with some old friends, hung out with family. And then right around the time everything started opening back up, I started serving a couple days a week at my old job just to make a little quick buck. And then I got the opportunity to start training with CX2 as a personal trainer because mm-hmm. I started working on all that. And that's honestly why I just kept focusing on training and studying and working. I wanted to turn like this year of what seemed to be the worst year ever. I wanted to spin into something positive. You know, I didn't want it to be, I'm, I'm kind of like over it being like, oh, I'm just ready for this year to be over. Like I'm embracing this year, you know I mean? Yeah, it sucks, but you know what? There's, there's a way to find positivity in every situation. Like there's always a silver lining, you know, you just have to keep your head on straight. No, I totally agree. I mean, I think for me, this pandemic changed my life uh, for the better as well. I mean, I, a couple of years ago had this vision, like how cool would it be to travel, train, vlog, just connect with friends in cities that I haven't been to. I remember we, honestly, I remember we talked about that on our way to San Diego. Yeah. And I mean, I, I gotta be honest, like the pandemic allowed that opportunity for me. And now I wake up every day. It literally seems like I'm living a dream. Like I probably only sleep maybe four hours a night and the people around me right now who see that schedule, they tell me I'm crazy. But my response is, when I sleep, I'm resting. It's when I'm awake that I'm bringing my dreams to life. So why would I want to waste my life sleeping when the life I'm living during the hours I'm awake is 10 times better than what happens than when I sleep? That's awesome because it's so true. But, like you know, I, I think both you and I have had to go through the lows to get to the highs now. And hopefully from this point on, it's just nothing but smooth sailing and pro cards and burgers and fries (laughs) i mean like it's not going to be easy you know we know there's going to be obstacles and that's the whole thing is like it's always going to be full of obstacles you just Mm -hmm. have to keep your mind straight and you're going to get to those that's how you get to those highs is by staying calm through the lows you know remembering what it's like to be in the highs yeah i think that what i look at now is situations or uh things that have happened in the past that maybe i wasn't happy with the outcome or i didn't like what I was doing, but I use mm-hmm. those experiences that I've gone through in the past to motivate, you know, positive changes in the future. And I think that's one thing that's, I know, benefiting me, but I am excited to get back to Arizona. It's been almost like two and a half months by the time I get back. I've been there and I've got so many exciting things to tell you the rest of the team that unfortunately I cannot talk about on air just quite yet. But and I'm so excited for you to get back and tell me all these things. <laughs> yeah, but I mentioned, I mentioned a couple of them to you offline a little bit. And I'm actually, I think once we wrap up on our podcast tonight, I'm actually going to stay awake and put in a few more hours uh, on one of those projects for all of us. But no, you right. know, the biggest thing I've gained from my fitness journey, and I'm calling it a fitness journey where I've been traveling and training is that I've been really lucky to continue to meet just good, honest, genuine people in the facilities I've been training at. So two things usually happen when I walk into a facility with a camera. Either people look at me and go, why does this guy have a camera? Or the other reaction is, hey, man, what are you filming for? 
And it's typically the people with that second reaction. They're the people I want to vibe with anyways. And Absolutely. It, it's just funny because I've met so many people, so many dope, amazing people in the facilities I've been training at state to state, all because they saw I had a camera. They maybe admired my physique. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, <laughs> oh, I think that's definitely, and it had nothing to do with the Yeah, it was, probably, it was probably the physique, you're right. No, it was the camera. Um, but it's funny because just so many opportunities and doors have opened. And really, that's going back to what we started talking about with the pandemic. That's one thing I'm grateful for with the pandemic. It motivated me to get a camera finally, step my content up. And now, through doing that, it's created literally like my dream life. So, see, and like that's you taking a negative year and turning it positive, you know, and that's really all it takes. You don't need the boat this year drag you down, you just gotta work. Well, you know, what's gonna be cool is let's kind of wrap the podcast tonight on one final topic, and that's gonna be that the competition life is not forever, it is a lot. Um, whether again, from hitting your meals or your meal timing, if you're one of those people who believes in you know, the timing of your meals has to be very specific, which I'm one of those people. Yeah, it it is a tough lifestyle. And I think that oftentimes you will be judged by the people around you who don't understand it. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you know, your choices are not theirs. So like whenever someone's given me grief for, oh, you're not going to eat this or, oh, you're not going to drink that or whatever it may be. I just say, I go, well, if I were a vegan, would you yell at me because I'm a vegan? Or if I were a smoker, would you approach me on the sidewalk and yell at me? So it's funny how the socially acceptable barrier for certain things that are negative for people, they'll just be fine to let them do them to themselves. But then it's like this social awkwardness when it comes to fitness competitions and competing that people are always like, be careful, be healthy. Don't do that. You, You can... And it's like, it's just funny to me because I, again, no one could realistically sustainably live a competitor's lifestyle Mm -hmm. for 20 years, 30 years. But what you do is you take the best practices Mm -hmm. and you apply those into a balanced lifestyle that is called an off season, which is called Mm -hmm. normal life balance. Well, and that's why you're supposed to, like, enjoy and embrace your off-season, you know? Like, that's your time to, like, take some time off. And, like, I've seen pros that, like, will go through those trends where they compete show after show after show after show. And when they finally get that off-season, they're like, it's been so nice to finally, like, focus on real life. But the thing is, what I feel like, too, is at the end of the day, if you want to be a pro, you know, like, think about pro athletes, football players, basketball players. Like, you know, they have to wind and grind, too, you know? Like, that's what it takes to be a pro athlete. Mm-hmm. And no, it's not. And no, they're not pro athletes forever. They don't play football forever. They do it eventually. Exactly. Time, you know, but like this is our passion. And when you have a passion for something, you do what it takes. That's I couldn't have said it any better myself. When you are passionate about something, your actions will speak louder than your words because your priorities are what's important. Exactly. Well, honestly, it's been so nice to catch up with you. Like this no felt story. like. It, it felt like kind of one of our car rides together. I was going to say that our car ride to San Diego. <laughs> you, you know what? The only way this could be better would be is if this were going to end with one of those delicious acai bowls that, you know, we both <laughs> oh. love. <laughs> oh, hey, you better have one waiting for me after USA. <laughs> Do you want the shot of tequila, like, on top? 
or yes. <laughs> so have that with my bottle and probably a slice of pizza too. I'm all about balance. <laughs> I'm all about balance. It's, it's all about balance, people. It's all about balance. But no, like I said, I'm so glad we got to do this podcast tonight. I know this was kind of a couple of weeks in the making and I miss you. I miss the rest of the team, but pretty soon I will be back. And I've got some great stories and some great opportunities to share with everybody. And um, yeah, I honestly think that I'm just going to be cocky for a minute. And I'm going to say, mark my fucking words, 2021 is going to be the best year for everyone on this team. Hell yeah. That's not cocky. That's confidence. (laughs) I don't know. People always mix them up. So I said, fuck it. I'll just sound cocky for a minute. But um, (laughs) we spoke it into the universe. So now we just have to do what we were planning on doing. And everything that was meant for us is already coming our way. Hell yeah. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Again, I apologize. It's been a few weeks since we had been recording these. But hopefully I'll be able to get back on track, dropping one a week as some motivation Monday for all you guys. But If you did enjoy this podcast, please do me a favor, like it, comment, subscribe, share it, and also go follow Alyssa as well. She is a badass. So Alyssa, tell the people, where can they find you on social media? Um, It's going to be A underscore fit underscore T as in Tom, O-N-E-L-L-I, Tinelli. And guys, she's single too, so (laughs) I'm just throwing that out there. (laughs) definitely follow her but don't slide her dms that's creepy (laughs) i'm just playing i'm just playing but it was good to catch up with you and i look forward to seeing you soon a psychotic pre-workout workout soon (laughs) oh my god don't even go there but yes i'm down (laughs) all right darling well i will talk to you soon and guys thank you again for listening until next time Peace.